Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So if you need a Bible, um, just raise your hand. Please make this Bible your own. If you have your own, bring them. Because, of course, we'd love you to be following along in the Word, not just on Sundays, but especially Monday through Saturday. Um, So I had you do those traditions because we have some of our own traditions. We have some traditions in our family, um, probably some of the ones that you mentioned. And when it comes to this time of season, um, there's just all kinds of rituals. Some of them you plan, some of them you don't plan. They're they're just going to happen and you have no choice. Some of them you love, some of them you don't. Um, for example, the tree thing. I don't quite completely agree wholeheartedly with this tree thing. I don't get it. I know some of you guys have fake trees. When I was a kid, we always had the real tree. So I'm like, we've got to have a real tree. But I'm like, wait, really? Do we really have to have a real tree every year? That's just one of those traditions, right? Whether you like it or don't like it, it's one of those traditions. Uh, the Christmas lights, I've got to put my Christmas lights up today. That's one of those traditions. When I first got a house, I'm like, I am going to be Chevy Chase. I'm that guy. I'm going to have lights everywhere. And it's devolved to the point where I'm like, it's just one string. I mean, I don't have time. I got my kit. But it's a tradition. And that tradition starts today at 5 o'clock. Like, and I'm locked in because the kids think it's happening. So if they think it's happening, it's got to happen. And then my neighbor across the street, we had this thing where two years ago, we said, let's put a big star across between our houses. And so we run this metal cable. That's another tradition that we have. Um, some of you may have this tradition where there's the elf on the shelf. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're locked in forever. I mean, this thing is going to stay like the Christmas tree. 300 years from now, there's going to be elf on the shelf. And so that's your tradition where you hide this little elf and, you know, and all this stuff. So there's just these traditions. But with these traditions also come the things that you don't want to. Like, how in the world are we going to figure out how to pay for all this? What do you mean we got to get presents for all the nephews and nieces and cousins and neighbors? And this is, wow. and you, you know, there's that kind of stuff that follows along with it. And then there's the, okay, how am I going to borrow from here? And I'll delay this. Like there's that tradition of how do I delay my bills? How do I put this off so I don't have to pay that? How am I going to delay my brother calling me upset that I didn't do this for him? Because that always comes up during Christmas time. You know, whatever family thing it is. Or maybe for you, it's that thing where it's, it's Christmas and it's like, I got to deal with this person now. I don't ever have to deal with this person. But during Christmas, it's, it's expected that I interact with this person. Or maybe it's that job that you can't stand. And it's like, all right, here we go, Christmas party. Now I'm like stuck with these people for an evening. I don't even like my job. It's like that negative tradition stuff that pops up. There's all the joy and the excitement and then there's the... The difficult stuff. Or maybe it's just the pace. Like you're thinking, seriously? Do we have to go this fast in December all the time? We were on a family vacation. We were with some other friends. And when we were gone in Mammoth, on Wednesday, one of the people said, oh, no. I was like thinking, you know, we forgot something because Thanksgiving was the next day. And they said, oh, no, it's Wednesday. What does that mean? It didn't click to me. And they said, oh, because after tomorrow, it all starts. And I knew exactly what they meant. Like, it all starts. I've never considered that before. But the day after Thanksgiving, it's on. 
And we all know even before that, you start walking around. My kids even said something like, Dad, why is there nothing for Thanksgiving? Like Thanksgiving's like in three days and all nothing but Christmas stuff. Because everybody's got to be ready for the day after Thanksgiving. It's on, you know. And then I heard one friend of mine say this. They said, I hate Christmas. It doesn't mean they hate Christ. It doesn't mean they hate family. It just, there's something associated with it. It's this tradition. And there's something associated with it that causes pain within this friend of mine. So during this season, what we're going to do here at Branches, there's no way we can fix that. What I want us to do is to go back to why do we even have this season? There will be pretty much, this is the first year I know of, that we haven't focused on the birth of Christ. We're not going to do too many birth stories. We're going to go through um, portions of the book of John. The book of John has nothing about Jesus' birth. And if there was, um, there's people here that are very dear to me, and if I was to do a story um, on the history of Colin Gregg's life, if we're going to go to the history of his life, I'm probably not going to show you a bunch of birth pictures of him. Here he is naked over here. Here he is over here in his little outfit. Like, at the end of his life, when we're looking back at what was his life about, we're not going to focus on when he was born, most likely, right? Now, there is extreme significance with the birth of Christ and why God chose to move into the neighborhood in that manner. And we talked a lot about it last year. But this year, what we're going to focus on is just the reason. So using Colin's life as an example, if we were to focus on his life, we'd say, why was he here? What was his life about? But it's much different when we're talking about the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Chosen One, the the Messiah. Why did he come? So instead of the how, we're going to focus this season on the why or the reason for Jesus coming. And that reason, I want us to make so apparent that when you walk out and you're stuck in all of the good and the difficult tradition of the holidays that you will remember what this is all pointing back to. Because so much of these traditions come from somewhere very valuable. These traditions come, almost all come back to the reason why Christ came. And yet it can get so clouded with the good and the difficult of our traditions and we forget where they came from. So from songs to Christmas trees to all of that, we're going to bring it back to the reason why Christ came. And so where we're going to start for this morning is in John chapter 1 good place to start. And we're going to look at one man this morning. And this man that we're going to look at is Andrew. And most of you probably don't know who Andrew is. If I told you to list the 12 disciples, that was one of the questions I considered you guys going through, but that wasn't nearly as fun as the traditions. If you were to mention all the disciples, Andrew kind of, he doesn't ever get mentioned. In fact, in the New Testament, we see him pop up four times. However, If it weren't for him, everything would look different. But when we look at his life, and we look at his interaction with Christ, we get a picture of what it means for the reason that Christ came. Because Andrew approaches Christ because of the absence of what he needs. And Christ came because of the absence that's not only in Andrew's life, but in ours. And so let's uh, see where we start here. So the next day, John was there again. Now, John is John the Baptist. So we're here in John 1, 35 through 39, first chapter. 
And John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. Now, a disciple is a student. So these students were following him because he was, in their language, he was a rabbi. He wasn't an officially trained rabbi, but he was a leader. He was one who people sought for the answers to life. One who who understood how God moved and how people worked and what it was supposed to look like. And when it says that he had two disciples, what that means for them to to be students of his means they follow him wherever he goes. However he does life, they're copying him. So he has his two students. But Jesus walks by and John points to Jesus and says, look, the Lamb of God. Now, when he says the Lamb of God, I mean, he doesn't mean, oh, look, he's such a gentle guy. He's like a lamb. No, because for that community, and especially during this time, there is the Lamb of God, which is the one on Passover who is sacrificed so that there can be life. And it's only mentioned a few times in, in John. But yet, John the Baptist, who's not the one who wrote the book of John, by the way, but John the Baptist says... There is the Lamb of God. And when he throws that term out, that means something to them. Something they didn't expect. When the two disciples heard him say this, they then followed Jesus. Now think about that. I just gave you the background for what it is for a rabbi and his students. You follow your rabbi wherever. And this rabbi is saying, that's the guy. And so they follow him. Follow him just walking behind him. They haven't followed him with their life or anything. They're just following him. And so then Jesus, he's walking, and these guys are following behind him. There's nobody else following behind him yet. He's just walking, and he turns around, and he sees these two guys. There's no other disciples. Nothing's happened yet. And here are these two, and so Jesus asked them, what do you want? Do you think that Jesus didn't know what they wanted? Think about it when we go all the way back to Genesis. And Adam and Eve have eaten from the tree of life, what they weren't supposed to do. And then they go and they hide from God. And then God, whose whose spirit is moving through this garden, says, where are you? Do you think it was like a really good game of hide and seek and God really didn't know where they're at? Or is he asking the question for a reason? Because when you ask that question to Adam and Eve, they have to then say, where are we? What have we done? Where are we at this point in our life? And so when Jesus turns around and asks, what do you want? He's not really asking because he needs the answer. He wants them to state, what is it that you really want? Why is it you were with John and now you're following me? Why are you walking behind me? What is it you're looking for? As a fan of you too, I can only right now think of that song. What do you, you know, have I still found what you're looking for? And the reality is they haven't. They're with John the Baptist, but yet they know something's missing. Because if they had found what they were looking for, they wouldn't have left John, would they? If John knew that he had everything they needed, he wouldn't have pointed elsewhere. But he points them towards Christ. And so when Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? They know that deep within there's something that is missing. Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. The full means everything is there. That you know you're lacking nothing. And so this is their answer. What would you answer to that? What do you want? This is their response. They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Now, a lot of people hear this. And they hear the the question. You you have Jesus, the son of God, saying, what do you want? 
It's almost like the genie, right? Ooh, what are you going to ask for? Don't blow it. Here's the question. What are you going to ask for? And they ask, where are you staying? And some people will mock that going, really? Like, what, you want to know what kind of house he's at? Really? That's the most important question you could come up with when the Son of God, the Messiah, the Chosen One who we've been waiting for is here and he asks you, what do you want? And that's your question? Hey, it's where you stand. No, no, no. If you understand, like we discussed, what the nature of a student is to a rabbi, you understand a little bit more of their question. Where are you staying? Because we want to see. Because we want to follow you. And the nature of a rabbi... And a student is such that a student tries to get in with the rabbi. Because the rabbi doesn't go around picking people for his school, so to speak. They pursue them. And he he whittles it down to just the elect few. And so they're following in that line. John's basically saying, look, I know you came here to my dojo. But this isn't the place you need to be. You need to be with him. And so they're coming. And look, we want to be. I know there's no one else in your crew. But we want to follow you. And they don't get into all the details, but where are you staying? Meaning, we want to follow you. And so what does he say? Come, and you will see. They know that something's missing. And Jesus doesn't say, I don't have it, like John did. He's like, hey, if it's between me and him, that's everything. He doesn't say that because he is the light of the world. And so he says, come, and then you'll see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So they went and they stayed with him and they stayed throughout the day. And these are the first two. I can relate with this. I can relate with this because the, as I was driving here this morning and I was coming down the hill from Golden Lantern, I, just, I had this prayer in my heart like, Lord, during this season... That, that change, that light, that explosion of change in my life when I began to follow you. I pray that for all the people that would be here this morning. And I pray for all their friends and the people around them. Not that they would be drawn to churches. Not that they'd be drawn to branches. Not to humans. But that they would be drawn to you, Lord. That somehow during this season that we can point them back to you so they can have what I received from you. You turning everything upside down. Let's face it. There's not many of us that are religious. And I know it sounds weird to say to church. Because you're expecting people to be religious. Andrew was not a religious guy. It wasn't like he's this, well, I got to do everything right. And I grew up in this. He's He's a man that realizes something's missing. And he's going in that direction. Because he knows. He just knows in the depths of his being, that there's something else. And that's what drives him. And when he gets here to Christ, it doesn't stop here. Because the crazy thing is, is that Andrew got way more than he bargained for. He not only stayed the rest of the day, he stayed the rest of his life following Christ. And here's the crazy thing. For this community, which was so religious that had all these rules and things were supposed to be done a certain way. You got to walk this way. You got to say these things. Talk about traditions during Christmas. They had traditions for every day of the year. And somehow, Andrew became less religious through this whole process. And yet, he got closer to Christ. 
And Christ gave him this understanding of what all of these traditions and all of this pointed to. It pointed to our loving Father who loved us so much that he gave his one and only Son so that we could have life and have it to the full. And we come with all of this. You walk in here with like a bag, almost like a backpack, and not a small one, but a big one with all this stuff. And yet Christ came to set you free from that. And here we have Andrew and his buddy. His buddy's the unknown one, the unknown buddy. And they come. And I don't know if the other friends stayed or not. I do know that Andrew did. And I was with some friends, and we were talking about, uh, this person was actually talking about their brother. And he said, you know what? I so badly want my brother to know this. But every time we talk about it, he just walks the other way. Now, maybe his brother's never going to walk towards Christ. Or maybe, like this other student, this other disciple, he comes to Jesus, but then ends up going, nah, I don't know, and just walks away for whatever reason. My prayer is I was coming down that hill, and it was good for me to be reminded of when everything turned upside down, because Andrew's life goes upside down here. I mean, God is in the business of messing up your life. And I remember that moment when God, and it was a moment meaning like a two-year period, where God messed my life up, and I'm so glad he did. Because Andrew's life here needs to be messed up. That's the reason God came. He came as the light of the world. And if there's going to be light, and you need light, then there's the understanding that there's darkness, that there's something that you need vision. You need to be able to see clearly. And so when, we, when Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world, he's also bringing very clear, look, and you're in the dark. And that's why I'm here. Pretty arrogant. But you can do that when you're God. Let's look at the, let's go a little bit farther here. Let's go to the first part of John. Uh, John. John's the one doing our PowerPoint. So John, can we go to the first part of John? John 1, very beginning. This is what the beginning of John says. Remember, John, who wrote the book of John, was one of the early disciples. Peter, James, and John were the three that were closest that we can see from um, Jesus' life. This is what John had to say about one of his best friends. In the beginning, the Word already existed. What's the Word? Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. From the very beginning, the Word was with God. Through him, God made all things. Not one thing in all of creation was made without him. The word was the source of life. And this life brought light to people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never put it out. That is the reason that Jesus came. This whole season is a celebration because we're reminded that Jesus came, that the light of the world came in and the light shines in the darkness. And Andrew is walking behind Jesus and he thinks he's only coming for a little bit. He doesn't really know what's going to happen, but he knows that something's missing and he follows him. And as he comes, everything becomes more illuminated to the part where he never turns back ever. 
He just continues to follow him because everything becomes more illuminated. Everything becomes clear because Jesus came as the light of the world. And what does light do? It illuminates. It helps it so that you can see things where they're at. You all know what it's like in the middle of the night. Have you ever been in, probably not your house, because we, we design our houses so that we always have just a little bit of light so we know where to go, right? Even when you know where everything is, we're all sloppy enough that we're going to leave something out of place. So if it's pitch black... And we walk through there, we're going to hit something, we're going down. Or you're going to have that bruise on your toe that lasts forever, especially if you're older, it never heals. You know what I'm talking about, right? So when we have that darkness, we want a little bit of light. Because otherwise we don't know where we're going. So when we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, it means giving you direction. It means opening up, showing you how things really are. And when I was driving down that hill this morning, I said, Lord, I want that for our people. I want them to know you. C.S. Lewis said this about following Christ. C.S. Lewis, a man who was trying to prove that Christ wasn't the Son of God, that he was an atheist. And when he got all of this, he said, look, I can't fight this any longer. And this is how he described it to his friends about this Christ. He said, he said, I believe in the Son, not only because I can see it, but by, through him, I can see everything else. And for me, that's what I experienced. That's what is is burning inside of me. That's why I love to share the word of God. I love to point people back to Christ. Because for me, it was that moment where I started following Jesus like Andrew. And every day that I followed him, everything became clear. Through him, I could see everything else more clearly. And that's difficult because there's things I saw on myself that I didn't want to see. There's things I saw in my family and my friends and in this world. But at the same time, there's that hope knowing that Christ is the light of the world and he brings light to that darkness. And so even though I can see things that I didn't see before that are out of place, that aren't where they're supposed to be, he's given us the ability to also be the light of the world. That's why one of the first things Jesus said, he says, you are the light of the world. Wait, I thought you were the light. But Jesus also says we are the light because we reflect him. He also said you are the salt of the earth, which means we preserve the earth. So he's using us to put things where they belong. Because as he opens our eyes to see where everything is in our house and where things are out of place, then we can then begin to put them where they need to be. Not just for our life, but for other people. That doesn't mean we can take people and grab them and push them where we want. We can't control people, but we can move things around to better the world around us. Let's go a little bit farther in John to the next slide, please. This was the real light. The light that comes into the world and shines on all people. The word was in the world. And though God made the world through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own country, Israel, but his own people did not receive him. Some, however, did receive him. And believed in him. So he gave them the right to become God's children. I love that. They did not become God's children by natural means. We're not going to do the birds and the bees right now, but I think you know what the natural means are, right? That's what he's referring to. He doesn't mean those type of children. He means the type of children that are born as the children of God. God himself was their father. 
God gave them, us, the right to become children of God. Why did Jesus come? What was the reason? Two chapters later, Jesus is with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Sanhedrin, which means he's one of the pastoral leaders of the whole community. He's one of the guys that's supposed to have all the answers. And yet Nicodemus comes to Jesus looking for answers. And what time does he come? He comes at night. Very symbolic. Symbolic for several reasons. One of the reasons he comes at night to Jesus in John chapter 3 is because he doesn't want everybody else to see him coming to Jesus. He goes, I don't want everybody else to see me. I'm kind of, I got a reputation. I'm one of the leaders. I have to have all the answers. If I'm going to Jesus, they're like, why are you going to this rebel rabbi? People are saying he's the Messiah. Why are you going there? And so he comes at night so no one will see him. But there's also symbolism for him coming at night because he's in the dark. And he knows it. Just like Andrew, he knows something is missing. And so he comes to Jesus. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus says this to him. He says, you need to be born again. Which makes absolutely no sense to Nicodemus. You need to be born. What do you mean I need to be born again? He's thinking natural means. You mean I need to go back into my mom? That's exactly what he says. Go back into the womb? That's ridiculous. I can't be done. Because he doesn't understand that what God has come to do is to turn everything upside down so that we can have a new life. Not the one that you had before. You're not reborn in the flesh. You're reborn in the spirit, which is real life. That's why Jesus came. That's why Andrew's following Jesus, because he knows something is missing. He knows he needs this newness. He knows that where he's at is not what he was intended for, which is not what he was born for. And that's the same for all of us. And during this season, this time of the year, it's a reminder to us that points us back to the reason that Christ came so that we could have new life. He came as the light of the world because we're in the darkness. But the beauty is when the Son of God comes, now there's light. And every day that you follow him, everything becomes clear around you. What does it look like to follow him? It means to follow him with your life. Everything. I mean, if Jesus were to put up a Christmas tree, you'd want to see how he did his Christmas tree. Because you'd want to copy that. If he were to eat his food a certain way, because he's a rabbi, you'd want to figure that out. Is Jesus your rabbi? Because that's why he came, so that you could follow him and therefore have life and life to the full. In every manner, in every way. And that's why Andrew never turns back. Now I want you to see what Andrew does next. It's probably a couple slides from here, John. So Andrew spends up until 4 o'clock at least with Jesus. And the next day... What does he do? It's uh, one before this, sorry. What he does is, is he goes to his brother. Who's Andrew's brother? Peter. Except he's not Peter now, he's Simon. There you go. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. So John's trying to describe, you know, Peter, he used to be Simon, but he's, so I'm going to put both of them in there. I'm going to give you his name and his nickname. For example, I'm pretty sure you guys know him. My real name's not Boogie, right? You do know that, right? So if someone were to write a book about me, which is probably not going to happen, but if they did, most of you wouldn't know. Here it is. My name is Eric. It's a fine, great name. I like it. It's actually on my birth certificate, E-R-I-K. And then no one told me it was spelled E-R-I-K, so I've been spelled my whole life E-R-I-C. So I think you're not supposed to do that. I always worry about getting in trouble. But if they were to write something about me someday, they'd have to say Eric Boogie. Because you don't know him as Eric. That's what's happening here. 
Because Peter is significant. Not like me. Peter is significant. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Peter. You know Peter. His real name Simon. Andrew goes to him. Andrew was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. What I've noticed with Jesus as I've been following him, reading through the scriptures and watching how he interacts, I don't ever remember a time where he said, you need to go bring that person to me. Think about that. We talked about that when we talked about evangelism. Like, Jesus never asked us to do it. He says, you need to share, but he said, you better go do this. This comes outside of Andrew because something's happening inside of Andrew and there's this joy and this fullness. And so out of love and out of his relationship with Simon, he feels like he can go to Simon. I can go to Simon. So we have that, we're bros. Like, it's that kind of relationship. Now, you might have a brother and you're like, I would never go to my brother. I'm trying to talk to my brother. He will not listen to me. This is different. This is how their relationship is. And he has this joy and he wants to share it with someone he knows trusts him. And so he goes to his brother and he starts to share with him what he's seen, what he's experienced. This is the Messiah. If it weren't for Andrew, Peter would not be following Christ. If if Andrew kept it to himself, but there was this fire and he followed through with it. During this season, this is that time. This is a time where when that fire, don't go do it just because you feel like you're supposed to. But if you know what I'm talking about, if you're like, I know what you're talking about, Boog. Whether you're experiencing it right now or you have experienced it or maybe you've drifted away and you're like, but, but I know. I know that Jesus is the light of the world. That's why this time is we invite our friends like Andrew did to Peter to whatever it is that will draw them closer to Christ. Again, I cannot emphasize enough that Andrew is bringing them to Christ, not to Christ events. I hear people all the time, oh, I'm really trying to get this person to church. Get them to Christ, whatever that looks like. Maybe a great first step for them is to be here on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's going to the Christmas Eve thing. Maybe it's coming to your home. Maybe it's you sitting down with them and saying, you know what, I've got to tell you what just happened. Or I've got to tell you what's happened my whole life. I had someone in my family whose best friend kind of opened up the door, saying, you know, I want to talk. And my friend's like, whoa. My, the, the friend of my family's like, I, I need you to pray for me because I love this person so much. I grew up with this guy. We work together. We're like, and I can see he's, he's never wanted to talk about Christ. But something's happening. His kids are starting to ask him questions. His, his marriage is struggling. And like, I feel like God's opened up this opportunity. But I feel like every time I brought it up before, he's like, mm, and he walks away. So I, he's my friend, but I feel like he's inviting me in. And so we just prayed for him. Because like Andrew, this friend of mine wanted to share with someone he loved this joy that he had. This, this joy that he had seen the light of the world and that every day that he had followed this light this Christ he can see life more clearly and know who he is and he wanted that for his friend that's what Andrew's doing here who is that person in your life and let's be honest there's some people you're like I, I want to but when I do they shut me down they don't try to force it this is a natural for Andrew 
Nobody told him to do it. We have no record of it. There's no, there's no precedent for Jesus saying, no, you're going to go do this, right? Go pass out those flyers. Like he, didn't, he never does that. We never see that. And in the same way, the first thing he did, and that just right there carries so much with it. Who was the first person that you wanted to share with? I remember who it was for me. It was at school, and I went to this Bible study, and I was like, what the heck? And I'd been to some of those before on accident. And this one actually got tricked into, as you've heard me share about before. But after that, there were the, those that were closest to me. And I wanted them to know. And one of them was my brother. My brother and I have been through so much. And I'm like, Kirk, like, you got to come, man. You know why he came? Because I'm his older brother and he trusted me. And I walked with him and I brought him there. And he was there in this youth group all the time. And we were doing things. And, and he made a decision to follow Christ. And then... Like this other unnamed guy that's with Andrew, he walked away. But yet my brother knows, and I know, and we've talked about this, that in his life right now, and he, he would never stand up here and tell you this because he doesn't know you guys, but he understands the darkness. He's looking, and I'm like, buddy, bro, I'm telling you, like Andrew, I follow Christ, and I will, I've never turned back because not only... Do I believe in Christ because I can see him, but because through him I can see everything else? This season is a reminder to us that Jesus is the light of the world. And literally, which is unique that you're here, except you're here during the day, if you come here at night, I'm just going to warn you, it's crazy. We drove by last night and we got stuck in a log jam. They have this new thing called illumination. You know what I'm talking about? If you look around, you're going to see these structures, and you can't tell because it's light outside, but when it's dark, it's all lit up, and it's crazy awesome. And if you come to the top of the harbor, up where Chart House is, and you look down, it's amazing. And the boat parade's going at the same time. You've got lights everywhere. Tonight, you're going to turn on your Christmas trees, and there's going to be light. And some of you are going to burn your Christmas trees up, and they're going to be on fire, and there's going to be light there. There's light everywhere you go during this season. Everywhere there's light. Let that be a reminder to you. Let the naturalness of the light... Where do the lights come from? Why do we have lights on Christmas trees? That's why. Because Jesus said he's the light of the world and he comes into the world. And that's why when you see these pictures, you always see like Joseph. And then you see Mary. And then you see Jesus. And what else? there's always a star and there's light. And there's light pointing down because of that symbolism that Jesus is the light of the world. So don't get so caught up in this season that you forget what it's about. But you can look and say, you know why we have these lights? Red, blue, green, white, whatever obnoxious lights you have. But they all point back to this reality of the reason that Christ came. So that he could be the light of the world. So for those of us that know in our heart, I'm in the dark. There's something missing. Then we can come to him who's the light of the world and let him prove himself. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. And they are going to lead us in prayer. So if you could, if you could stand with me. And they're going to lead us in prayer and worship, pointing back to Jesus as the light. So let me pray for us. Father, um, I want to specifically this morning pray for the offering. This is usually, this month is usually uh, the biggest time for giving. And Father, from that giving, um, you give us more to redistribute. And Lord, how do you want us to do that? I ask that you would give us wisdom. As this is the month that, uh, as a, 
as a family, we're able to give more away than at any other month. And Lord, we ask for your wisdom that uh, we would use these funds to bring light where you want light. And so uh, just give us wisdom and guidance. I ask that for us as a leadership team. Um, And for those also that are struggling financially, Lord, I ask that um, you would give them comfort and that their eyes and their attention would not be drawn on their finances, but they would be able to put that to the side, Father, and make you the priority and just look to you. And you give us wisdom uh, in all things, including finances. But I, I, for some reason, Lord, it's on my heart to pray for the many here that I know are just overwhelmed um, with their financial situations. So we place this at your feet in the name of Jesus. Amen.